0: Field Notes Brand, USA-made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit FieldNotesBrands.com or 400 North May in Chicago. It is the Dynasty Podcast Panelcast Series, featuring industry panels recorded live throughout the city of Chicago. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, the How Musicians Make Money in the New Music Industries Panelcast produced as part of the DK's Creatives at Work series, featuring Bob Nana from Downright, Justin Hoot from Uprising Creative, Chris Clark from Leo Burnett, and Jesse LaBelle from Music Dealers. Here's how that sounds. All right, great, well, we can get started. Um, Thank you, everybody here for coming out tonight. Um, It was actually not too cold, so that worked in our favor. Uh, Thank you to coming out uh, to creatives at work how musicians make money in the new music industries this event is being presented by dynasty podcasts and the department of cultural affairs and special events with the city of chicago it's part of their creatives at work industry series you can find them on facebook under department of cultural affairs and special events and on twitter at chicago DKs. also thank you to reggie's for having us here uh my name is haima black i am the host and founder of dynasty Podcasts. it was the first music podcast founded in Chicago 10 years ago almost. And I have an amazing panel here, much more excited about them than me being here. So kind of going down the line, we have Bob Nana, co-head honcho at Downright, frontman and singer-songwriter at Braid and a number of other uh, really remarkable music projects. Thanks. Yeah. Yes. Um, Justin Hoot, Account director at Uprising Creative, really cool digital strategy and campaign and content creation company as well. Very excited to have him here. Uh, Chris Clark, senior music producer at Leo Burnett, the esteemed Chicago advertising agency. He's
1: now director of music, just
0: so you know. Director of music, even better.
1: Promotion, promotion.
0: <laughs> Can't trust the internet. And then Jesse LaBelle, Senior Creative Director and Music Supervisor at Music Dealers, the music placement licensing company. (laughs) All right, so we have a tremendous panel here, all more than qualified to speak about music monetization, uh, how artists can make money off their work, all these kind of things, which is what we're going to cover over the next hour. I'll... kind of lead a panel with them for about 45 minutes or so, and then we'll open it up to the audience to ask questions. Uh, I know we have a lot of musicians in the audience, we have a lot of industry in the audience, so you guys will be able to pick the brains of everyone up here. I know that I ran down some really quick introductions, but let's have you guys kind of give a little bit of background and kind of who you are, what you do, how you got started in music, you know, tell us all about that so that everybody knows who everyone is.
2: Thanks, Uh, Jaime. I am a mentioned my name is Bob Nana. I've been a um, musician pretty much full-time, somewhat part-time for the past 20, 23 or so years. I was on my first tour in, in 1991. Um, and so, you know, I, I've kind of known what it's been like to be a touring musician and, you know, releasing records and, and et cetera, and just trying to like eke out a little place, you know, for, for, for myself. So uh, I'm you also mentioned' I'm the co-head Han show at Downright. And what Downright is is basically a custom songwriting website. Uh, my friend Mark Rose, who's also a musician and I, uh, a few years ago, were just hanging out um, having dinner. And uh, we're thinking about just ways to not only, you know, make make extra money while we were home from tours, but also to just sort of do fun stuff, go out of our comfort zone when it came to songwriting and et cetera. So we came up with the idea, which wasn't a very uh, novel idea of making a little song shop where we can do custom work for other people. But what we decided to do the following day when we sort of thought a little bit more about it was to uh, create a website completely devoted to it that would not only be able to support you know, our goal to, um, you know, do this for our fans and for other people, but also make it easier for any songwriter anywhere to get on the site and uh, and use it for that specific purpose. Yeah, so we we uh, launched it uh, last year, February, and it's going strong, it's on right.
3: I uh, had a business, I started a business uh, in the music industry called Vioba. Um, I think five or six years ago now um, in response uh, to being a musician that was touring at the mid-level just here in like self-book tours in the Midwest. And really just found that there was a lot of like crappy um, services out there for artists. and companies in terms of just like getting t-shirts done or getting cds done or getting website promotions done and instead of uh jumping around to a bunch of various places um my partner and i decided to just combine that all into one place and we called it vioba Uh, we had a three-year run and when that ended i moved into the uh yeah, advertising agency world with uh some odd pilot which is a boutique shop out in um wicker park and then recently i joined up with the uprising creative uh who does pretty much the same thing except um primarily uh we're a full service agency for the entertainment um and music industries as well as uh com- consumer brands so
1: okay hello i my name is chris clark i'm the director of music at uh, leo burnett advertising agency it's uh uh, historic ad agency here in Chicago with a very ominous looking building right at Dearborn and Wacker. So I'm the big bad ad guy here. But uh, I, I think uh, just to talk a little bit about myself and what my purpose is at that specific company and hopefully a way that, uh, that I can help you guys out tonight. Um, first things first, I'm a fledgling musician, but I love to play, song write, create, uh, playing bands, getting the practice space to relieve all of these stresses of my day-to-day job, which consists of uh, searching for uh, existing music, creating original music, and also trying to form artist partnerships for large brands that are our clients, such as Samsung, McDonald's, uh, Allstate, Insurance, uh Firestone. And, and a bunch of others. We mostly do uh, TV and uh, digital content, so video content. Uh, but we also work on, you know, uh, like I said, tour sponsorships, uh, specific some sometimes on camera work, website programs, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of lot of opportunities, and I think that uh, one of my main goals uh, with the gig that I've been able to weasel my way into through uh, hopefully a lot of hard work and some lucky breaks is to, to try to work with talented up and coming artists and musicians who uh, you know, are creating something and really need uh, to catch a break or to, to leverage a platform to um, I guess boost their career to the next level. So I, I work with plenty of, and have to negotiate deals with plenty of uh, giant artists and artists who had a hit 30 years ago. It's a big part of the day today but uh, personally nothing gives me a bigger thrill than talking with songwriters musicians and people who are really trying to build their career so it's a privilege to be here tonight talking to you guys
4: hi my name is jesse labelle i'm a creative director music supervisor at Music Dealers. Um, We are a company that specializes in working with independent artists around the world and composers and connecting them directly with brands and agencies and trying to form partnerships much like Chris does. We try to think about music very strategically and what Uh, we can do for a brand in elevating their messaging and what we can do for artists by elevating their career. So it's a very symbiotic relationship that we really try to keep. To date, we have made uh, $15 million for artists, independent artists like you, um, just directly through licensing. My job from day to day is to do music searches, work directly with independent artists, um, do creative strategy um, with high-level brands, um, try to, to find solutions that will complement their their efforts and try to, our effort is to make you artists recognized on a global level so that you can live and eat and, you know, furnish your homes, buy new homes and really live off of your careers. That's our goal.
0: So, you know, what I'm hearing from everybody on the panel, and you know, I, I knew this going in, is that you guys are actually in the business of supporting artists, making opportunities happen for them, um, connecting with talent, doing all these things. I think a lot of musicians literally don't know that these services exist, or they don't believe that they can actually make, you know, a living or or make any headway, you know, turning their art into a business. You know, why do you think that that's the perception, or, you know, why has it become such a challenge for musicians to make a living off of their art?
5: Who, you know anybody
0: <laughs> or all at once well
2: you know uh it's because of maybe like you know in terms of my uh history we you know we were kids, and so we didn't really have a ton of um needs money wise so we would be able to go on tour for a long time and make just enough to get us gas money to the next show, et cetera et cetera and uh we were cool with that, and in fact, like to a small in a small extent to a small extent, I'm still sort of cool with that but the you know the fact of the matter is that i this is the 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 job of playing music quote unquote is what I feel it's definitely what I'm most passionate about it's kind of what I think I'm best at you know I'm a better musician than I am a uh, banker, banker, carpenter, yeah, sure. Um, you know, so uh, I feel like, yeah, you know, there. I, I do feel the the, the sort of um, pressure of how can I make this into um, a full time gig, a living. Um, but it's just the, the it, it's a little harder now because we're maybe in a in a in a place where a lot of folks want to get music for for free. Or at least like sample it for free, which is totally cool. With I mean, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've purchased an album and like hated it, and then like resold it or whatever. But so it's not that's not really the main evil. But you know, I can only speak in terms of of um, of downright is like we you know all these streaming services pay like small small. Fractions of pennies, etc., and it's to like a small portion of the people that are getting the streams. And so, what we wanted to do it downright, at least, was to give the artists the major share of you know what they're doing for their work. And so, you know, you're, they're making one song for one specific person, and they're going to get paid a premium for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that's sort
3: of what I thought. I, I really feel like a lot of artists right now, musicians coming up right now, also just think about. Um, the you know, the quote-unquote idea of making it or what that means to make a living in music. And I think a lot of people just kind of see the traditional model where you get a band together with people that you generally like or hopefully you like. Um, you guys write songs, you put out records, you play shows, and then it either happens for you or it doesn't. Um, but in terms of, like, a career in the music industry or making a living as a musician, I think there's a variety of different ways you can go about that. Um and I, I don't think it's necessarily limited to, I'm in a band, we made a record, we didn't sell 100,000 copies, I'm not going to eat now. You know, There's other <laughs> ways to play with other bands, other ways to be a touring musician that gets paid to play the guitar, play bass, or to play keys, and also have your passion project where you release music digitally, where you write songs for people. Um, I just think sometimes people really just, uh, or artists, especially younger artists, just really kind of have it in their mindset that it's just, it's this thing. And if it's not that thing, then I, you know, then my music career is over. There's only one way to get there. Right. Yeah. Right. Just, I mean, jump in. Yeah. Break, break the,
5: break
4: <laughs> yeah I think. Up. I think you know. There's so much opportunity now for musicians, like there never was before, especially with digital delivery, with platforms like music dealers, with um, people at agencies who who really are looking for you know artists that will elevate their their brands that they work with, like never before you don't have to rely on getting a record deal to be successful. You can be entrepreneurs. There are multiple revenue streams that you can explore without sacrificing your art. I think that there's a lot of fear in licensing music or becoming involved with a brand because you don't want to lose your identity. But um, most of us are on your side, and we want to make sure that the opportunities that we present to you are good ones and that they're helpful and that you agree with them. Um, so there's there's a lot that you don't have to be fearful of and we're, we're all here to you know help you understand our side of the industry so that you can monetize.
1: All right, so <clears throat> you guys are, are all really passionate about the music that you're creating, okay stay passionate about it and don't create it because you want to make money from advertising off of it or getting a film trailer. Make, I'm assuming everybody's making music because they love music. If that's the case, stay with it uh, and pursue it and have a day job and hustle and grind and keep doing it and sweat and days, years. I don't care how long it takes. Like, it's going to be fulfilling for you if you're pursuing something that you're passionate about. As Jesse said, some bands are still a little concerned about doing licensing or whatever. But you know, there's also bands who are literally making music for placement, and that's not very artistic to me. When I hear that, I don't. That's not what I want to pursue. And as the person who's supposed to have taste for my company and for the brands I work on, that's not. I want some. I want something extremely authentic, and I want something that's good. If your music is good people are gonna find it and hear it. It's 2014, a lot of people are gonna hear it and they're gonna hear it and they're gonna spread it and it's gonna happen quickly. And if that doesn't happen, I would hope that you would still continue to pursue it. It's not necessarily about monetizing it today, it's about making money how you need to make money and considering continuing, excuse me, to pursue your craft. You know, That's what I'm trying to do at my day job and then my therapy is going and trying to write songs and playing bands in the evening. I'm never trying to be in a big band or, or do any licensing deals or anything. But, you know, that, so just from my own standpoint, that's my therapy. You got Bob up here who I'm an extreme fanboy of, and it's ridiculous- We all be, are. To be talking, yeah, exactly. To be up here talking with him. I mean, he, you know, he was in the era defined by DIY and he succeeded and survived and created this entirely new business that based on all of the fans and all the people globally that are massive fans of all the bands he's been in, uh, he now formed a business where he can do something intimate uh, that is directly supported by them, not overpriced, it's underpriced, no, I'm just kidding it's priced just right. But anyway, um but it's 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 an extremely creative way for him and a group of amazing songwriters to continue to connect with their fans directly and make some money. So that was way longer than I meant, but you can tell I care.
0: Well, you know, I think um Chris and Jess, you guys brought up a
3: really this is really sweet. <laughs> um you guys Three, brought so up so a really so sweet, smooth. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have no idea who you are. This is kind of big, but I don't know. It was, okay. It's the lead singer of KISS.
2: But
0: Chris and Jesse, you guys brought up a, a really good point, which is, I think that this is a time, and again, I think a lot of artists believe that, you know because people aren't buying CDs at like Borders anymore, or Walmart or whatever, they can't get paid. But I think that, if I'm reading you guys correctly, if you're entrepreneurial, and you're savvy, and you're crafty, and you're willing to take chances,
2: this is actually a great time to be an artist, right? I mean, is that the case? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, the the avenues that are available to you now, like Bandcamp even, or, um, you know, all of us, and like downright, like, just because the technology has made it easier for people to stream music without paying, it's like, you just have to adapt to it. I mean, you know, back in the day, my bands weren't making money from sales at, Border or, or wa- Walmart or anything, we, you know, we were we were making money because we were going out on tour and, and like playing shows, and then people would be like, oh, I gotta get your record now, because maybe I can't get it at Walmart. I gotta get it here. So, um, yeah, but that was just the way it was then. I mean, there was no Amazon, there was no Bandcamp, there was no digital uh, space. But yeah, it's just sort of you know adapting to the you know the, the the environment that you're placed in or that you're comfortable with or that you can you know maneuver a little with a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, I really, uh, I could also, I agree with that as well. And I think I was speaking with uh, one of our clients at Hollywood Records just about the changing landscape of things and about just asking him flat out how much they ship anymore in terms of like actual physical product. And those numbers have dropped drastically. And basically, what he, he said though was that they make up for that. Um, if you look at all the ways to make money in terms of just like a general like pie, the physical like actual CD vinyl, that pie has shrunken undoubtedly. However they're very savvy at making sure that every single play that they get, whether it's Spotify, whether it's YouTube, you know, they really, those are the ways that they make the money. They find the ways to like shuffle promotions around that stuff. Basically, you're the ones that let your music get played for free, or you make your music get paid and you monetize it, you know? Several bands, I mean, it's not a big mystery why Demi Lovato put out a whole record on YouTube, because every time that song gets played on YouTube exclusively, that's money in their pocket, um, not just like, it's just why they didn't put it out on SoundCloud because no one gets paid off SoundCloud. So I think there's just, there are all these ways, we're in this changing landscape, and if you can adapt with it, pay attention, watch what's happening, stay ahead of it, um, there's definitely ways to capitalize on it for now. And also, as things are working out and as those licensing agreements are changing, things are gonna even out. I mean, it's the same thing when the CD came out and cassettes dropped, and then when, you know, Vinyl made a resurgence, and then CDs dropped. I mean, when's the last time anybody in here actually bought a CD, by the way? Exactly. But um, there will be other ways that you've consumed music. That hasn't stopped. Your music consumption hasn't stopped. It's just the way in which you consume has changed, and will continue to change.
0: You know, I mean, I guess along the same lines, and we've kind of covered this, unless people want to jump in, what are some some social media tools, some digital media tools? You know, we mentioned SoundCloud, mentioned YouTube, mentioned Bandcamp. What are tools that artists should be using you know, whether it's like direct monetization or even just like opening up to a wider audience that's going to get them gigs, It's going to help get them paid. Because I think a lot of artists, you know, they're like, well, I have a Twitter account and I have a Facebook. What else is there? And there's actually a lot. So what kind of tools do you guys see either as artists yourselves on the industry side, any of that?
1: Well, well first things first, before you even get into that, just start with the basics. Like everybody... I'm sure everybody does, but if you don't you have to understand that performance rights organizations are out there ASCAP, bmI csac they are there to you want to sign up with them so you are registered as a songwriter you want to register all of your songs so your whether it be a, so all of your publishing essentially is documented and if suddenly you have a a a hit or, or a song that gets played a lot or picked up and through the streaming services, that actually—I mean—they're still paying a fraction uh, of a cent for uh, every time that your song plays. But still, there—those are, are checks that can come in the mail, and especially if you get something in a—you know—a media like television or whatnot. You, you know, you need to make sure that you're actually getting your royalties for that piece of music being used somewhere. So sign up with your PROs. Uh, you know, it's fine and it's totally appropriate nowadays to be. Uh, self-published and to own all of your own master recordings. That's probably the case. There are companies like Music Dealers who are out there to help actually uh, for a, you know, some sort of share of rights because obviously they're a business, but they have a system in place to promote all of your music to a lot of channels that you probably wouldn't be able to. Jesse will be able to take your music and actually pitch it for all the variety of, of work that they're consistently working on across TV and advertising and film. So those are a couple of different things you need to think about. The, you, if you're going to own your own recordings and your own publishing rights, being registered with PROs, um, and then when it gets to digital, I mean, it's like if you're if you went and recorded something last week. I know this. I think this was said two years ago in a similar discussion, but I mean, it's all of the. <laughs> The uh, digital distribution tools are there. There's a variety of services where you can have your stuff on iTunes and Spotify for a very nominal fee. And as far as the, way, I'll leave it to the people who have actually been in bands uh, to talk about promotion digitally and whatnot. But there's there's too many websites in my mind to have a Facebook page and a Bandcamp and a SoundCloud there,
2: <laughs> <coughs> and a YouTube done and done, yeah, and a band.
3: And a band. Have a band. Have a band. Also have a
2: band. <laughs> Step one. Um, I'll, I'll just say one more quick thing. Um, I, I worked for a long time at, at Threadless doing their social media, and when I was working with them, I was very tuned in with every like every new social media outlet that Came up and like maybe we could be part. Maybe we could be on Verb and maybe we could, you know, be on uh, do something on Snapchat or, or you know in Instagram when it was like you know or Vine. You know, but um, you know since I, I left Threadless in January, went full time uh, doing Downright basically and and, and doing uh, more music stuff. I. Really haven't been keeping up too much with a lot of the uh, outlets like that that are maybe available to bands. I, I'm sure a band could do a kick-ass, some sort of kick-ass promotion or press release on Snapchat, and they would rule. Like people would be like, "Wow, that's the coolest thing ever!" Like they're releasing these like snip, snip videos, or whatever. Like Daft Punk did it, right, for with with Vine when they when they. But so I mean, that's like a really cool thing. But um, you know, since I've got out of that game a little bit, uh, I've actually um the the newest braid record is on a label called Top Shelf and they're run by like kids i mean i'm i'm, I'm i still play music like a child and like jump around on stage like i'm 20, but I'm not. You know, I'm I'm maybe a little bit out of touch with what the what like the young the those young bucks who ran run this web, web, uh, website are into. So I mean, it might it, it helps for my braid who we're a bunch of old dudes to um, align ourselves with the, those young guys who just knew what to do. They they laid out this whole plan because they're just so familiar with it. They're ingrained with like the, you know, all of these uh, channels that are uh, that are available now and. We, you know, we trust them.
3: I definitely think it starts with just uh, the the most valuable tool I think you can make for yourself is literally just having a website that you own that has your name on it that you can promote. Um, for every Facebook, there's a MySpace that died. Um, who knows what Twitter is going to be? How long Twitter is going to be around? Who knows how long Facebook is going to be around? I mean, it's kind of the worst, for all being honest. Um, it's, it's just the worst. It, it really, I mean, but I just yeah. in terms of, like, there's, you know, there's no way to make money on that. I mean, it's it's it's... It's helpful, but it's also, it's just a giant, like, black hole at times. So I just think the the biggest thing you can do for yourself is not rely on any one tool, but develop just a great website that houses all your content that you're fully in control of. Um, I manage a band called Vamos in town, and uh, they're on a website that costs, they're on a platform that costs $10 a month with Verb. Uh, it's really easy. It's a place for them to post all their YouTube videos, place for them to, like, run a stream um, of Instagram photos, tweets, whatever. It's just really simple. Houses, links, to all your stuff. If anybody's interested in you, somebody wants to write an article on you, there's press photos there that are really great. They can just grab it from there. As long as you just pretty much need to make it as easy as possible for anybody to find out everything they want to find out about you, um, in my opinion. And I think that all starts with just owning a website and not having to worry about you know updating. You know, yeah. I mean, do you guys remember MySpace? How awful that was? Like How amazing, how important that was? And uh, there was a lot of meetings, I think, at Warner Brothers at the time, which, um, said things like, "Oh, well, they have a hundred thousand friends on, on MySpace. That means we should probably make twenty-five thousand records." And that experiment failed wholeheartedly. So I just I don't really put any faith or trust into like any one technology of the time. I think it's all fleeting. So, but a website's not going anywhere.
4: Yeah, I'd say I, I, t- I totally agree. You know, having a website being accessible across multiple platforms make, makes it a little bit easier for people to have confidence in you because you know, they know that you're working really hard and you stand for your music and you're really passionate about your music and you really want to connect with your fans. It's, it's just a great, it's a great way to just get your, your records out there. You can sell your, your records through your websites. You know, there's a lot of um, ways that you can make money through lots of social media avenues. And even uh, Music Dealers actually offers a little widget if you're interested in you know breaking your album and you, you're not quite sure um, how to get into uh, agencies or licensing opportunities, but you have a new album that you want to promote um, your own music. We have a little widget that you can put on there that, direct, that will link you to our site so that you have a team of people who can license music on your behalf if you're not sure how to do it and we have um, a legal team, too, to have your back in case anything happens.
0: Something else I wanted to ask you guys about, because you guys have been offering really great advice this whole panel, you know, I think for a lot of musicians, it's easy to probably not consider these opportunities that we've been talking about as being available to them. You know, like, you think about, like, a big movie trailer, like The Expendables, or, like, one of these kind of big blockbusters, you're going to hear Kanye West, you're going to hear, like, Katy Perry, or, like, one of these larger artists in there But again, with companies like what Music Dealers is doing, what Leo Burnett does, you know, it's theoretically possible for artists to pursue, for independent artists to pursue a lot of opportunities that they probably don't consider are available to them,
3: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's like, yes. (laughs) I think, I mean, a a giant one, too, is that people forget about all the time is video games are absolutely massive right now. Yes. Uh, the audience for that is huge. People just freak out about video game trailers,
2: and, and it's a
0: captive audience. That audience is sitting in front of a video game for like
2: hours sometimes. Yeah, it's you know it it gets a little tough sometimes because sometimes you do need the uh, agency to help to push that stuff to especially video games and stuff. It's different like for for brands, etc. But like. I don't know. It's 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 something I really can't offer much advice on because, like, yeah, you know, Braid did have somebody w- try and work some of the songs, you know, for like trailers, or whatever, and it was like kind of came up empty. But yeah, I mean, as long as it's as long as you're not like counting on that Expendables trailer, like <laughs> when you're writing the song, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, I think it's just sort of like your, you know, your, your outlook on it. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't assuming we were going to be in something, some, whatever. Right, but each one the of Hobbit. you, you know, each
0: each of your agencies or, or companies, and each of you individually, you guys have all worked with independent artists. You're not shutting the door on them, right?
1: For for me personally, it's, uh, and I I love all the mid and major labels out there. I love all the the big publishers, and I do plenty of business with all of them. But there's no th- there's no bigger thrill for me than knowing that you know, say it's a $4,000 license with an artist who owns all of their own rights. I know what $4,000 would mean to me. So I'm sure $4,000 to the artist, like, you know, pay your practice space, rent, fix your gear, and maybe have some type of, you know, uh, funds for promotion, whatever the heck you want to do. Like, I know how far that goes. That's the biggest thrill to me, and I'm lucky enough to have... Friends, connections of friends, you know, lots of bands who own their own rights, who I'm a big fan of, who I've been able to work with, and that's my, honestly, it's my favorite thing that's the reason I got into this in the first place I love doing the you know the the big deals for larger artists as well but it's like when it, there's no better feeling than knowing that you are helping support somebody's career um, and that occurs on all levers, levels but none more than an emerging you know, sometimes struggling artist who just needs a break it doesn't happen all that often but when it does I'm just as psyched as you know, they're probably more psyched, but anyway.
0: You know, what have been some success stories for each of you, whether it's like an independent artist that had some really great engagements through Downright, uh, um, you know, an artist that wasn't Beyonce necessarily that you guys set up with, um, you know, a campaign through Uprising, or an artist that you worked with at, at Leo Burnett, you know, in a placement, or if music dealers in a placement, what have been some of the independent success stories that you guys have, have come across or worked with?
2: In terms of Downright, I... Would be remiss if I didn't mention Matt Pryor. Matt Pryor was the um, uh, singer of the Get Up Kids and the New Amsterdam's and Terrible Twos and a bunch of other projects. But uh, I was a friend of his from a long, long time ago. Braid played almost a hundred shows with the Get Up Kids, and um, when we developed this, when Mark and I developed the platform of Downright, he was one of the first folks I contacted, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll do it. I'm, I'm on board." We wanted to start with our friends, you know, so that if things broke or if things would, if there was like some weird gray areas or whatever, that we'd like, we're friends, let's figure this thing out. We're we're all doing this together and it's all new. But um, he's, you know, he sort of jokes to people now that that's, that Downright's his full-time job. I mean, right now he has a family, I think he's got three kids right now, and he's like, when he's not, you know, recording for a solo record or on tour, he's at home just like cranking out Downright songs for for his fans and also for for people that you know just for people who maybe aren't super familiar with him but liked his music on the site and listened to it and and liked it i mean he's really the big success story for downright but um you know in terms of of everyone else you know it's almost become like another avenue you know we we had uh black friday and cyber money and a bunch of artists decided to do special promos using downright you know where it was like you know, a special holiday song with a card included, and I don't know. It was just a bunch of people did really, real innovative uh, promotions on, on the site. But yeah, I, I, I think Matt's. Uh,
3: yeah, absolutely. It. Yep. We uh, we work with an artist named Rory out of Atlanta. He's an 18 year old kid. He's amazing. Yeah. If you guys haven't heard of him, um, you might at some point soon. He's out on tour. Was out on tour with Outcasts this uh, this past summer. But his management Literally team act, called Outcast. Yeah, a little tiny act. Yeah. Um, his management team is like a bunch of kids and they came to us and they wanted to develop a video game to release his project called the Indigo Child Project. And uh, yeah, we made, the, uh, we made this video game. It's like a cross between Battletoads and Nidhogg and uh, just with his music playing in the background and you have to get like 2,000 points and if you broke 2,000 points, you get to, to download the record for free in exchange for an email address. And uh, to date, the page has had over like 300,000 plays and he's downloaded over like 12,000 times so I think like that was just an artist that came to us with a tiny budget uh, a big dream and just like some great ideas and they were flexible and it was just a blast and I'm super stoked for uh the impact that made and then all like the stuff that's to come from him so and I think it's really cool not to like cut it off before we get to the second half of the panel I think it's really cool
0: that like we are in an age where it's like if you have a strong idea and you have like, you know, limited resources, but you have like a narrative, you have an audience that you think you can go after, and you have this like, this real strategy, like that can take you someplace down, you know? Like, I mean, what you're describing with a video game like that, that's an amazing strategy, that's awesome. Whoa, lights went out. (laughs) So let's continue down the panel, even though
1: lights are off. I'll set the mood with this story. Uh, Oh, well, too bad. You guys lose. Um, All right, so I've had, this year, I've had some pretty good experiences with working with uh, independent or semi-independent artists, which means maybe they own their recordings and have a publisher. One was a... an LA-based singer-songwriter named Eli Lieb, who I worked with to compose an original song. Like I worked directly with him and his manager to compose a song for Allstate's LGBT efforts, um, and that uh, had a lot of impact on that specific community and uh, you know the the brand's relationship with that community. So that was really meaningful as an artist who put out one of my favorite records of the year called Sylvan Esso, who's a a domino publishing artist, but they own their own recording rights, who we just put into a a Samsung uh, online video. And, you know, over the years I've worked with, actually a lot of Chicago Chicago bands from, you know, White Mystery, Sidewalk Chalk, Outer Minds, like, just a lot of great bands that I'm a huge fan of and, and that's—it's always a thrill to be able to to do something uh, with them, just to know that you're helping them get a good look. Uh, you know, not only financially, but also by doing something in the brand world that they're cool with. Jesse. <laughs>
4: um, we have several great success stories, but some of my favorites are—we um, uh, worked with an artist named Anna Illis, who's an artist from Sweden, and. We licensed one of her songs called "Dance" for a fashion commercial, and she had written this album. It was a it was a beautiful album. Um, it was recorded in a live room, and she was really, really proud of it. But she um, was struggling as an artist, you know, trying to um, make a career as an artist. And and from from this license and the success of this commercial for her, she was able to buy a an abandoned church, and turn it into a recording studio so that she could continue making records. She could continue recording, bringing her um, friends in and providing them a place to stay. She, she was just so grateful that she could continue doing her art because of this license, and we were so happy to be able to work with her. Um, another great success story that I love is we worked with um, McDonald's and an agency here in Chicago uh, for an Olympic spot and they were really looking for an authentic independent artist that no one had heard of yet globally but had the ability to speak to an audience on a a, a very intimate musical level. So we um, pitched an idea um, for an artist called The Wild um, from New Zealand and as a result of that commercial, they just got huge worldwide attention and multiple record deals, and now they're signed to Columbia Records, which is a huge success, and we're very, very happy for From them. From an advertisement. From an advertisement, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah, all those are amazing, everything you guys just talked about. So I'm gonna knock out two quick questions, and then we are gonna open this up to the audience so you guys can ask any or all the panelists questions if you guys have them. So I'm just gonna kind of hit these quickly. Um, First, who are some musicians that other musicians could be looking at as successful examples of like artists that are navigating the new kind of economies and industries in the music business? Um, I mean, you mentioned White Mystery. I look at White Mystery, we had Alex White uh, on this panel the last time we did it a few years ago. We reached out to her about this time. She wasn't able to make it. Um, She's on tour, but Alex White comes to mind. White Mystery comes to mind as an amazing example of like self-made entrepreneurial brilliant musicians like who else could you know musicians in the room people who are listening to this later look at as an example of people who are doing it right
2: um, there, there, there's a uh, an artist on our site Chris Farron who um, I, I <laughs> he, he, he's in a few bands that are that are you know pretty popular in a specific genre but Um, I look at him as, he's just, he's definitely someone to check out just because of his wild promotional ideas that he'll follow through on. He just released like a crazy Christmas album that's like Looks hilarious. I haven't like listened to it yet or whatever, but just following him, he seems to always be in the conversation, in other people's conversations too. And not this is specifically on social media and stuff, but um, you know, he's making goofy T-shirts that are, um, you know, connect with pop culturey type things. I don't know. I think he's just kind of tapped into the sort of, uh, you know, the the business of the of the social media craze really yeah. well right now and it's helping i mean i saw his band play and there was people were going crazy and i was like dude your band the people went nuts he's like yeah it's our second show
3: I'm that's like, insane
2: that's, that's whatever yeah so that that's my example
3: um stepdad out of uh, michigan um grand rapids uh had an amazing video for a song called my fur my leather my nails, my nails. yeah and uh it was this incredible like 90s terrible vhs style video when that was like kind of blowing up a few years back, but it was, uh, that song had like over a quarter of a million plays on YouTube, and um, we kind of helped orchestrate like a free direct, you know, download in exchange for an email, and it kind of really jumps out of their career in terms of getting that music out to fans. Um, They signed with a couple small labels out of Brooklyn, and they've just been, I think they just finished their third year on tour with, for like Warp Tour, but that's just a band like right from the Midwest. They just wrote some quirky pop tunes, and they just hustle, 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 so
1: that's where I'm gonna start, hustle, hustle, hustle. Like, honestly, like whatever your career is, hustle. I mean, that's that's it. You have to be creative, you have to let your personality show through whatever you're doing. And in my mind, the beauty of being an independent musician is that all of your promotion and all of your crazy ideas, like you're saying with Chris, it's like, that's your baby. Like, what party do you want, what series do you wanna start throwing? that you can DJ at and then you can play at every now and again like what 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 do you want to do to put yourself and you, your art and your music should be a part of your personality what are other ways that you can get that get that out there what are there other ways that you can create with that visually uh, you know with uh, promo uh, collateral etc cetera, etc cetera. just put yourself fully out there what even if you, if you have a persona even better i know it makes it easier That's always the best way to approach anything and not just sit with, well, I wrote some songs and I'm gonna go record them and then I just hope they take off. Like, immerse yourself in the whole uh, aspect of what you're trying to do. Um, And White Mystery is an incredible example. Always been a big fan of Alex and Francis, And uh, now that I've come to know Alex and now consider her a friend, that girl works her ass off so and she much. understands the business of repping yourself and, own, and just owning everything. She is an incredible promotional uh, mind. As a businesswoman, her business is tight. like She knows what she's doing. She understands and she learned over time what licensing actually is and and how to get the best deals. She's gotten brands to donate product and vehicles, (laughs) even to her, because they're a band playing over 200 shows a year. That's passion. And she learned the business because she cares, and she she is a rock star and wanted to be one. So she said, I'm gonna have to learn this so I can handle and live this whole lifestyle so she's one of the most respectable people in the game to me by far absolutely
4: yeah just be in charge and be authentic and get out there and tour and make relationships and it's you know the world is out there to you know people want to discover you it's it's a you know, I totally agree with everything Chris said. It's You have to be authentic. You have to be willing to take chances and be in charge of every, every portion of your career. You don't have to rely on a manager. You don't have to rely on, on anybody to work on your behalf. You have to work on your own behalf. That's the only way that you can get to where you want to be.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's so true. That's so, so true. Uh, final question I have um, to kind of take us into the Q&A with the audience is you know, each of you with your own companies or the companies you work for, you guys all work with artists, so what, you know, what are you looking for? You know, if I'm an artist and I want to work with Downright or Uprising Creative or Leo Burnett or music dealers, like, how do I approach you guys? What are you looking for? What, what's the? There's no magic formula, I'm sure, but like, you know, if I'm sitting in the audience and I want to do work with any of your companies, how do I make that happen? What are you guys looking for? What are the steps?
2: Um, first. For one of the questions, yes, it's pretty easy to get in contact with us. If you could just go to downright.com, d-o-w-n-w-r-i-t-e, and send us a note. Even just the the act of sending us a note saying you're interested is like pl- like a plus, right? There, like you're well a, <laughs> you know, like you're we're, we're, you're you've you've made that step to at least contact somebody and say, listen, I'm, uh, you know. Uh, willing to do work, I'm willing to hustle. I'm willing to promote my profile and, and you know, either develop a fan base or like enthuse my fan base about, uh, you know, about um, getting on the site. So, you know, in terms of of that, that that's all that's all I can say. I, I re- we really dig, you know, artists that contact us and like work hard.
0: I mean, I've seen that firsthand. I've seen Mark, who's in the audience, and, and Bob. You know with downright you guys absolutely embrace independent artists you're not just it's not lip service i've absolutely seen that happen irl in real life
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, as far as the uprising goes um like and obviously like all money aside what gets us really excited about a project is um is absolutely like uh, something that we think we can make really cool, something that we think we can build on. Someone that's open to kind of letting us collaborate with them on coming up with the best way to release a song for them. Um, someone that lets us bring our expertise to the table in terms of delivery, in terms of narrative, lets us kind of help hone that narrative. But um, it really comes to f- come for us. I mean, even like do that with someone, they really need to have a strong like brand already in place. They need to have a strong uh, presence. You know, We need to be able to look at that and go, that's rock solid, that's who this person is. Uh, it's really difficult to let someone else define you, so I think if you kind of come to the table with like, this is what I'm about, this is what I stand for, this is who my audience is, what's the coolest thing you guys think you can do with this track, and then allow us to go, how do you, what do, you how do you, feel about A, B, or C, you know? And then like, can we work back and forth, coming up with the best way to kind of promote this, the best way to get this record out there. But it really stems from artists knowing who they are, and telling us what they want, and kind of having an idea for who their audience is, you know? It's no point in selling your music in Starbucks if nobody listens. No, when the Starbucks demo doesn't buy your record. You know, that's a, it's a lot. Migos thing. are not selling their Migos albums are not selling. at no. Starbucks. No. Yeah,
1: not at all. Cool. So I'm glad you asked this question from my standpoint because this is actually where I get to the the reality of the scenario, at least for the way that you know, you know we're doing business for a variety of clients for advertising purposes. So we probably do hundreds and hundreds of licenses per year. It's a lot. I've looked across the spectrum compared against other agencies, and I feel like specifically our agency is doing a very, very high volume within advertising in the United States. That said, we are being pitched, and this is the ugly truth, we're being pitched probably 40 to 50 new records every single day. My inbox is absolutely absurd. There are, and especially as I've been in this for, you know, years and years now, my email's out there to more people, and honestly, it's, it's the reality is there's too much music to listen to. I have, right now, I have like 150 unopened emails of music that I actually w- want to try to check out. There's, so there's tens of thousands of songs being pitched uh, to me to you know different people who are in music supervision type roles, on uh, probably an annual basis. Uh, how many songs are being recorded independently or you know funded by a label every year? Probably in the six figures, seven figures. If you think about how recording technology has allowed almost anybody to create music, that's the reality. I don't want any. I don't want to be the gloom and doom guy in the room. To rhyme a little bit. But um, I think that it's important to, right? I think it's yeah. important to talk about like the reality. Like I consider what we do to be absolutely doing more licenses than most companies like ours out there. And it's just, it's still probably a fraction. So that said, I always love to listen to new music when I can make time. I have a team um, that I always try to have review stuff that I'm unable to review but if it's good, we're gonna hear it or somebody else is gonna hear it and it's we're gonna hopefully find it or somebody else is. You know, so that's why it just comes back to just making good music and believing in your art. And it's like, that's the whole key. People will, people will come, people will find it.
0: You know, just to jump in really quick and then Jesse, you know, to go off what you're talking about, Chris, I I was the producer for a long time on the Chicago music program on Q101, the old alternative radio station. And we had a rule, you know, I was not the host, I was the producer, uh, myself and Chris Payne, we would pick new music every week independently. We, We didn't have like management giving it to us. And we had a rule, you know, it was the same thing. We just had these, just so much music to sort through. And every once in a while, we didn't have time to get to all of it. But if you're out there, you know, on the internet, in real life, playing shows, if you're making things happen, the right people are going to hear about you. So if you email, you know, a company, if you email a publication, you email a blogger, whoever, and they don't get back to you, don't let that stop you. Just go play an amazing show at Shubas, meet every fan, build your mailing list, put an amazing video, like, the more you do, the more the right people are going to hear about you.
6: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So y- having you know, having any of our email addresses isn't going to help you if you're not really working on your music. You know, like it's just so music first.
4: Yeah, I'd say quality of music is is really important. Quality of recordings. Um, make sure that they're a real album that you recorded, you know, hopefully at a home, a good home studio or at a studio um, that can be released. Um, We really need, you know, good quality recordings. It's it's incredibly important. As for discovery, there's a a couple of avenues that we take. We have um, a dedicated A&R team that's constantly searching for new independent artists. Um, we also have an entire company that's just incredibly passionate and dedicated to music. So we're attending shows, we're listening to new albums, um, we're really trying to find you know, really good artists to work with because we really want that authentic, great, you know, breaking sound. Um, but we also have a place where you can go at musicdealers.com to sign up if you're interested and find out more about our company. So there's a, a few different avenues that we that we take.
0: All right, um, this was amazing. You guys have covered some fantastic ground. I want to open it up to the room. Um, the way that this works is we have a microphone up here. You're welcome to step up and ask a question personally. If you do, you will be part of the recorded podcast that we are recording tonight. All this is a podcast that will go up um, later this month, early next month at DynastyPodcast.com. If you're not comfortable with your voice being on the recording, which it will be on the recording, I want to say that, you can raise your hand and ask your question. It won't really end up on the mic. It'll probably be in the background, and then I will repeat the question. So, yes.
7: So, one thing I, hi, thanks for speaking. It's really great, you guys. Um, one thing that I always think when I come to these panels is I'm just like, oh, um, uh, like, you know, it's like as long as you've got that entrepreneurial spirit and you've got that entrepreneurial mindset, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such an artist. Like, those things don't really come naturally to me. So it's really helpful to hear, oh, you know, study study other artists, study what they do, go to things like this. But is there anything that you guys um, do or, you know, maybe it just comes naturally to you guys, which is totally feasible, um, anything you do to kind of sharpen your business sense? You know what I mean? Like... I'm so you know I'm so like art-brained that it's like oh and then I hear people be like monetize every play monetize every click and I'm like wow why didn't I think of that you know it's just like my brain doesn't naturally go there
0: I'll tell you my strategy cuz I know that you come to these panels a lot Maggie Yeah I put myself alongside people much smarter than me, and yeah. then I learn so much because I always put people on panels who are definitely smarter and more successful than me, and I am literally like taking as many mental notes as everybody else in the audience. And the reason I record these is not just to put it on the internet, but because I'm like, yeah, I need to learn from this too. Oh, I'm
7: gonna listen to this in my sleep.
5: <laughs> Late at I'm gonna at night. use that
0: quote on the podcast Late at website. Night,
7: yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I, I learned so much from working uh, at Threadless. Uh, and that was, was bad. I sort of blame Threadless for the the idea to start the company I'm starting at now, because I'm very similar to you. I, the, this sort of business thing doesn't come naturally to me at all. But what I learned at, at Threadless was that the people that ran that company, it didn't come natural to them at all either. They just were really um, passionate about what they did, and they built a community around them so that. They grew and they grew through word of mouth, and then there were, you know, different factions that helped them grow as a company, and now, you know, and then they, you know, became successful, and then they were able to like hire people to actually run the business. Um, so it sort of gave me that thought, like I could do that, you know. And so when, when uh, Mark and I decided to start Downright, I thought, well, l- taking what I learned from Threadless, like let's get a community going, let's get all these like-minded artists, and then. If I've got all these like-minded artists that are on the site and doing these special promotions and stuff, they're like, they're so inspiring to me, you know, because like I said, it it doesn't come natural for me to like talk business or like shop or even be like astute in certain, certain things of that nature. So when I can even, you know, Mark is a great example of somebody who I believe is. And so teaming with him is perfect because you know, he, 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 that sort of sense comes natural to him. You know, same, same with other people in, in the community that we've been able to build. So I suppose having a, a community really
3: helps not only to like bounce ideas off of, but be inspired by. You know. Also, I think failing, um, just like trying, Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with trying. I actually suffered from the opposite problem. I wasn't any good at being an artist, so I just like went into the business, because it's all good. Um, I like being around these kind of people, but I just, my bands were terrible, and it was like, you know what? I can do other stuff. So anyway, but um, I just think being around people, trying things out, failing, screwing up, um, learning, uh, and just being around. There's plenty of people in your immediate circle, I'm sure, that are having like modicums of success. Um, just pay attention and build on the model. You know, I—it's uh, a little like it's not one for one to be like, well, Radiohead did it this way, I could do it that way. But it is absolutely like within reason to look at bands at a certain level and be like, there's a reason. If you want to do what they're doing, just take a look. Like that's that's going to school. You know, um, see where they were at before they made it to the label. See what happened before that. Take a look, read. You know, um, and just you know, I think just paying attention to that kind of stuff. I also don't think there's like any way to just. Come at it totally out of the box. You know what I mean. If you want to achieve a certain level, there are like there are things you have to concede to. There are like games you have to play. There are areas you have to put yourself out into, and um, just things you have to accept. You know what I mean. So
1: okay, so both of those are perfect because it, I think it's totally the intersection of creativity and business is the key, and that's essentially what they said. It's like well, first of all, for Bob to talk about his experience at Threadless, that's amazing because like I only had an on-ramp into what I'm doing right now because I worked at Scratch DJ Academy in New York City, which is Jam Master Jay's DJ school. And they were just launching their music marketing business. And they wanted, I was working in like a media buying job or buying buying airtime. Um, and they just wanted crazy music fans who, you know, in music heads who are obsessed with all different types of music, to come in and be, you know, 24 and extremely passionate about building a business. So I was creative director, producer, sales guy, account manager, janitor. You know, like everything. And, and wearing all those hats taught me all about the hustle. Taught me about business for sure. Learned how to calculate a profit margin, and. You know, it's it, but it's that. So I would say, first and foremost, like stay up on what people who inspire you are doing creatively, but also stay up on what businesses are doing that are creative. Uh, and maybe I, I don't know where you work right now, but maybe get yourself involved in a small boutique type company even if it is not music related at all, but learn how they work, learn how they hustle, how they do business, even if, honestly, even if you're scrubbing floors, you're in that environment, and you're with these driven entrepreneurial type of people, and that spirit absolutely gets passed on to others who are around it all the time. So, long answer as usual.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you know, being last, I don't have much more to say, but um, my advice to you is get uncomfortable step outside of your comfort zone ask questions align yourself with people who can teach you things who are smarter than you who will elevate you that's my best advice
7: thanks you guys that's
0: really awesome good thank, thank you, you for always coming out to nice. these too by the way
7: anything for you um,
6: hey guys my name is tyler thanks for being here first of all Thank you. My question kind of speaks to Megan's question in terms of the business sense, in that, you know, there's so many inspiring stories about people taking advantage of technology today and making it in the music industry. When you get down to looking out for the money, like we're here to talk about, are there actually services for policing people, you know, taking your stuff? Do you guys endorse that? Do you think about that? Where does that live in your community, or is that just too sad to focus on?
1: Policing what? Policing somebody else using your art?
6: Illegal downloads, yeah, using it in some way. Is that something you guys offer as services? Is that something musicians need to be thinking about when they start to take off a little bit?
2: Well, no, I I see that as something that it's, I I don't think there's much I could do to stop that other than like, you know, in terms of, you know, when, I, when we talk about community, and I'll bring up Threadless again because whatever, it's on my mind. Like, we had such a major community of, of passionate artists, like If someone stole one thing, like, everyone was on it, like, it was like, oh, I don't know, everyone was looking out for each other, you know what I mean? So it was sort of kind of self-policing community, just like looking out for each other. It was no, like, service or... Whatever or, or, or whatever,
1: you know. Have you had a bad experience?
6: No, I, just, I work in digital marketing, okay. and so a lot of you know channels. There's specific services for watching out for: are you making your money, or is somebody making it from you? I mean, and so I'm like, how does music have a space there? Or is that just a non? I,
3: I really. This is gonna sound shitty, but um, like, I really feel like if you're at a level where like you can't part with the 49 cents, that's like being, you know what I mean, like I've seen, like I've had those distro checks that are like literally seven cents, you know what I mean, and it's like, it's not because people are stealing my music, it's because my music's not selling. My music's not out there enough to be stolen, it's almost, and I'm not saying it's like a privilege to have your music stolen, that's not what I'm, I'm not endorsing that, but at a certain point, if you've got a brand, if you've got music that's out there that's selling, if you are firing on all cylinders and trying to make, um, Make money and trying to like go down, you know, doing everything that you can to get your music out there. It's gonna get stolen inevitably, um, and that's just because there's shitty people that steal music. It happens. It is what it is. Um, but again, like that can't stop you. And I promise you, like the seven cents that you might be missing out on the Spotify play or the forty-nine cents you're not getting from like the iTunes download. Like that can't stop you. You know what I mean? That shouldn't be stopping you. So,
1: yeah, it's almost. like, It's just like it's not necessarily. And this is this is kind of sad, but it's almost like the the war has. Has been over. There's no. There's no policing as far as someone taking a digital copy of that file, and it's almost. It probably has been. If somebody's trying to grab the music, it's probably a good thing, because it's all free anyway. We'll see where streaming goes with subscription services and whatnot, and you know if, if people actually start paying monthly fees and, um, and monetizing and resupporting the record industry that way, but. If your music's out, the more it's out there and somebody's listening to it, that's a good thing. You're not going to you're not going to be able to monetize the sale of units anymore, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think the real really quick, I think the real danger is if no one wants to steal your music. That to me is way worse.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, right. that's the provocative real. Yeah.
4: You almost want it to go viral. If you want, you know, people yeah. to notice it.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Celine Neon in the house tonight, man. You guys guys. are representing.
8: Hi, my name's Emily. I am in a grime pop duo called Celine Neon with the fetching young blonde who was up here earlier, Maggie. Um, So my question is, we're in the process of building uh, a really great website right now, and we're trying to decide on what music player we want to, on which widget we want to put into the website, right? Do we wanna use SoundCloud or Spotify? And Justin said something interesting uh, that really triggered a light bulb for me earlier about how Spotify doesn't get you paid, or rather SoundCloud doesn't get you paid, but Spotify will. Um, So that makes that decision a lot easier for me. I guess my question is what other mistakes do you see other younger artists making where they're passing up opportunities to get paid for their work?
3: Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you build, you build. I, um, I just think a lot of younger artists just aren't thinking about all the different ways that they can they can make money. And in terms of like SoundCloud versus uh SoundCloud versus Spotify, I also, like, well, just first off, if you're going to do a distribution channel at all, I would find one that pays well, that's honest. Um, There's a service called DistroKid that I really like. I use it for the guys that I work with. Um, It's really, they're honest, they pay, uh, they show you your accounting records. All that stuff is, like, really important. They don't have a shady name. It's not too shady. (laughs) If a distribution company has a shady name, do not work with them. But uh, I think that's a that's a place to start. But in terms of like putting it out on your website again, it was like is your YouTube channel locked down? Are you open for Are you open for business essentially on YouTube? If you are, that's a great way to just give people one track. Um, another great way, like if you're gonna give away the record, don't give it away for free. Give it away in exchange for an email address. Um, the guys in Vamos we give away everything right now. Uh, we offer it like pay as you go or pay as you want to. But if we give it away, we get an email out of it. And the reason we get an email out of it is because we can invite those people to shows. They can those people to come out and get money that way, right? That's another way to find that money. Um, So I think we use Bandcamp for all that because, again, it's another honest company that takes a very nominal fee. Um, They're not trying to make their money off the backs of independent artists. Um, So that's our delivery system for, like, getting out actual albums. But again, um, you know, I don't like the Spotify player because it's ugly. This is personally, but there's nothing wrong with having... I think you should have your music out on as many channels as you can. They only let you
8: stream one song on the C- website, you know? Right,
3: um, right. So again, yeah. I really just think it's finding, like that's yeah. one way that I think finding channels that are gonna work for you, mm-hmm. that you like, that you can style, that you can use, and then making sure that you have all those channels like down. so.
1: And it's still just, you said this earlier, it's still just a percentage regardless. So unless you, I mean, honestly, the only people who are making any type of legitimate amount of money, you're ma- you're basically making fractions of a cent regardless, unless you're getting hundreds of thousands, millions of plays on Spotify anyway. So Katy Perry, she gets money from Spotify because everybody's going and playing that song hundreds of thousands of times. Those are the only people that really see, based on the way that it's organized right now for streaming through uh, you know, the performance rights, organization this, that's a very heated debate another lesson read billboard read digital mu- music news read hypebot follow what's going on in the music industry because it's going to continue to impact how you're able to make money and royalties and digital royalties streaming etc is going to continue to be you know hopefully an avenue where the uh, you know songwriters are are able to get a little bit higher percentage even if you have a lower volume, you know, number of streams. But yeah, it's it's just function. What's what what do you like better? Do you like the way Bandcamp functions and you can lead somebody there and they can choose to pay if they want to for your record?
3: And just a quick note on Spotify in general, uh just so you guys know, YouTube pays out 30 times their their volume of payouts is 30 times as large as Spotify. So if there is a streaming service that's worth paying attention to at all, in my opinion, it is YouTube. Um, And I said that a couple times tonight. but, uh, But absolutely, like, if you're looking for a model that's, like, working, like, Spotify wants to have... Spotify would kill, like... Schools of children to have an opportunity to stream as much, and I'm not even joking. As to as much schools music, of fish, schools of fish, yes. Um, <laughs> to stream as much as YouTube. So just being totally honest about that, from everybody that I've heard of in the industry, that YouTube's the actual streaming channel.
0: Yeah.
3: Anyone else?
5: Hi guys, I'm Melanie. Um, I'm an artist manager and like a creative consultant. I do PR for people. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Um, two questions. The first of all is kind of. How did you, what was kind of your starting grounds? I know some of you guys said like you were, you know, working in a band, like I was like, Ray's listening to music. Um, like, how did you kind of get, like, what was that first step from like fan to like working in advertising or publishing, whatever it might have been? And then I have a second question.
2: I maybe sound like a broken record a little bit, but it was it was the community. Uh, when I was a fan of you know when I was a whatever a kid in grade school, I liked like heavy metal and like the stupid stuff on him, like hair metal and stuff. And I was like, well, that's not for you know I I'm so shy, I'll never be a part of that. I can't hang with these guys. But once I got you know into high school, I found a bunch of like-minded people, and we were we had this community going. Um, that was sort of like a punk DIY community and this was something that I could be a part of and I could get on stage and I could play. Um, So that was my introduction into being, you know, being more of 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 an artist as opposed to a fan. And then through, because I you know, toured like crazy. I made all these contacts and uh, connections, and it was because I was, I toured for 10-plus years that I got this job at Threadless, and I was there for eight years, and then when we started Downright and we needed artists to come on board, I, I had all of these contacts not only from from being in a band and uh, touring and stuff, but also from Threadless, people who, who were like, yeah, I, I can help you, you know, with, with this, that, and the other thing, so whatever. It was it was finding like-minded people who wanted to talk to me who, who um, Encouraged me to to be passionate and join the therapy community.
3: That was what made me wanna. Yeah. Anyway, I was in a band and had a day job. Hated my day job and decided to make my own day job in music and uh, started a company that way. And um, over the three years, just met a shitload of people, paid attention, um, didn't piss anybody off too much. Uh, tried to, I mean, always always be polite when you meet strangers, especially in this industry because it is pretty tiny. But. Um, Yeah, and I just kind of took that into a uh, turned that from a a job from a business that didn't do so well, turned that into a career in the advertising agency, and uh, I've just been working in there ever since. But started there.
1: I grew up in a a south suburb that had a record store and a music club, little club called Off the Alley, Um, Homewood. Yep. Oh. South
6: Holland.
1: Rapping Homewood. Okay. There you go. (laughs) So uh, so anyway, that was. That, that led, that was my, uh, my way, to, that made it really easy to fall in love with mu- music and independent music and lots of really, really good or terrible uh, local punk rock bands. And uh, I wanted to be in them, and then my parents said I had to continue playing basketball 365 days a year, and I could not get a guitar, so I let all my friends be in the bands, and this is my sweet revenge. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, I actually also went to off the alley, which is really funny. <laughs> but um, I started,
6: couple times. yeah.
4: I started, uh, you know, being really passionate about music from a really young age. And one of the things I used to love to do is record everything that I heard all the time. And um, I just evolved and played multiple instruments: saxophone, piano, whatever I could get my hands on. But um, you know, decided that I was a little bit better you know, on the business side than I was being a musician. So I started um, in the post-production industry doing, a, I was an engineer, which is how I was introduced to commercials and advertising. And while I was there, um, I saw the opportunity to um, put start putting music into commercials. And um, it started off pretty small, but then, you know, I started to put my friends into commercials. And my friends, we, I brought them to recording studios and had original music done. And that evolved to working with independent artists and major record labels. And from there, um, that's where my career started to blossom into full-time music supervision and I didn't do engineering anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'll keep mine really quick. I uh, started doing radio internships when I was 15 years old. I uh, ended up being able to work with a um, former radio DJ. He's not in radio now, but a guy named Chris Payne. He was a longtime Chicago rock personality, and I was lucky enough to end up interning and then working with him as a paid producer for 13 years, which is an incredibly long time to work with anybody. And it was amazing. It was, a, it was an incredible experience working with him, working at Q101 for 13 years, and then I started doing my own podcast in 2005, that's still going. We're sitting here as part of it. Um, And really to me, it's all these things that I've been able to do are all great avenues to connect me with incredible people that I feel very fortunate to be able to sit next to and ask great questions to because everyone that I ever book on any podcast or event that I do, they're all people who I look up to and who I want to learn from, you know, because they're all accomplished, successful, creative, intelligent people. So I feel very lucky to be able to sit here every single time I get to do this. Cool, so I think that there was one more question. Oh, can question? I quick
5: follow-up? No,
0: that. go yeah. ahead, go ahead.
5: Um, my follow-up is, um, I'm a manager for this artist on um, the GCW, Chicago-based, kind of like Woo. electronic, yay. Yeah. Um, like electronic Afro-pop music. And the thing is, I actually, just to be honest, maybe like two years ago, I realized how big the whole YouTube thing is. Um, I like, he popped up on this um, YouTube blog called Majestic Casual. And I believe really I'd never heard of it, and like it got crazy plays. Yeah. And I was wondering, is there any way to make money from that, just to be honest? Or like, um, or have you guys seen anybody kind of use the YouTube blog appeal that's coming up and actually make money off of that? Yeah. Absolutely.
1: YouTube streams is what he's talking about, but it's still a volume game. Absolutely a volume game. game. It's still a volume game and a percentage game. So absolutely, that's a great YouTube channel. Always great cuts. One of my music producers right here, Nick. He loved. He introduced me to it. Oh, yeah. um, good job, Nick. But yeah, I mean, it's but it's still how many streams are you actually getting to then get that percentage uh, that the you know that, that the payout would be. So you know, just keep absolutely use it as a as an avenue and see you know have a a huge song and you you know you'll get you'll get paid off of it.
3: It's that, and opening it up to advertising too. I mean, look into you know you have to opt in to be an advertiser on YouTube, and that's when like the money really starts to kind of roll in. So um, there may be some. Uh, I think there's like some stipulations around it, but just do some research in terms of. And again, that's what I guess what I mean. It's like if you're not, if you have music out there that people are listening to, people are streaming. It's finding all opportunities to make that to monetize that. You know, and YouTube has a platform for that. So I definitely definitely need to take advantage of it.
0: And GTW is doing really cool stuff in Chicago. We got to
1: get him on Dynasty Podcast. Yeah,
0: he's playing
5: at a cool like sushi spot tomorrow. You had
1: the great uh, reader article.
5: Yeah. Earlier yeah. this yeah. year,
1: and I immediately started following that SoundCloud. Oh, awesome.
5: It's a new issue of Verlux Magazine.
1: I had mm-hmm. to there you it. go, I Verlu- like, no, Verlux. No, Here we go. We got
0: shoutout and our support.
6: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
0: They just did an amazing party the other yeah. night. So, yeah. so sweet. Thanks. Thank you.
3: Majestic
1: Casual. Majestic Casual.
0: All right. Nice. That was amazing. I, mean, I think we went well over an hour there. Um, we've got some thanks to give, and then we will kind of shut it down here. I think, you know, hopefully some people will be hanging out. In no specific order, thank you so much to all four of the panelists here. Let's give them a round of applause. Bob Nana from Downright. Justin Hood from Uprising Creative. Chris Clark from Leo Burnett. Jesse LaBelle from Music Dealers. You guys could not have been better this evening. Thank you for staying on like kind of an extended size panel. This is really great. Um, I want to thank Reggie's here for hosting us. This was incredible, Reggie's Rock Club. Seriously, this was a really nice setup here. They went above and beyond for us. So I feel very lucky to be up here. Uh, David Chavez from Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. who has been an amazing friend of Dynasty Podcasts and getting us involved with these events with the city. It is enormously appreciated. Uh, my name is Jaime Black. I host Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. This panel will go up sometime in December or January. Um, I know that there are surveys in the back when you walk out for d um, Andrew has those at the desk. And I also want to thank Bill V. who was recording this so that we'll be able to listen to it later. I'm done talking. Thank you guys so much for coming out tonight.
1: I really appreciate it. Thank you, audience. You guys are
2: awesome.
0: This has been the Dynasty Podcast Panelcast Series. You can find more live podcasts and panels at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Jaima Black, Dynasty Descend.